we're going to do something special today. I, I hope that it's something that will be meaningful to you on this Sunday, the second Sunday of the year. It's hard to believe we're already uh, into two Sundays now, but we're gathered together to remember. So with that, let us go to the word of the Lord as found in the good news according to Luke, the third chapter, starting with verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is Baptism of the Lord Sunday. And churches all over the world are remembering the fact that Jesus was baptized. Now, there's lots of of differences in churches about baptism. You know, our, our Baptist friends insist upon you getting dunked all the way under, you know, they, they want you to be totally immersed. It, you know, just the top of the head won't do. It's got to be the whole thing. And some folks, well, they see the work of God starting uh, from infancy, before the baby's even aware of, of God's love, that, that baby's baptized. And others uh, wait until later on. But it doesn't matter if you are a Presbyterian in Massachusetts, a Catholic in Ireland, a Pentecostal in Brazil, or a non-denom in California, we are all united together by this rite of initiation called baptism. All Christians celebrate baptism in one form or fashion or another. It's a part of who we are as Christians. So it's important for us to remember why we do this. And so on this Sunday, we are going to remember who we are and remember that we are all called. We all have a purpose here on this earth. Luke's very sparse in his telling of Jesus' baptism. Just a Two verses there. Did you see that? He, Jesus went down to the water and he was baptized with everybody else. And at that baptism, something happened. He, he had reaffirmed in his life something that was true, that he was the beloved. He was a son of God, a child of God. He was somebody who God had put his mark upon. And the same with all of us. You know, we all, when we are baptized or when we anticipate our baptism, there's a truth about us that's there prior to our baptisms, that we are all children of God. Any of y'all watching The Crown? You know, we, uh, any of y'all have watched that on Netflix? We got a few, got a couple. Okay, this side's watched. Okay, a couple over here. All right, yeah, there, y'all, y'all, y'all admitting it. it I, I'm an Anglophile. I love watching British television and, and uh, reading about Great Britain and the United Kingdom. So I naturally watch that and can't wait for the new season to come out. But if you haven't watched it, it's about Queen Elizabeth, this, this current monarch and her family. And you might remember they had a big buildup 
to her coronation. It was the first, in fact, the only thus far coronation that's ever been televised. So there was a lot of drama leading up to it. What would it look like on television? And she had her, her hand involved in this coronation because she knew it's not just going to be the people of Britain watching. Everyone around the world was going to be watching this. And so she was crowned queen of England, the United Kingdom, Wales, and Scotland. But you have to ask yourselves, did the coronation make her queen? No. She was pronounced queen because she already was royalty. She already was the one who was the beta monarch. The, the coronation recognized that fact. She's royalty. Place a crown upon her head. Well, the same is true for a baptism for us. She's royalty, baptizer. He is a child of God, claimed by God, given a purpose by God. Baptize him. Jesus didn't go down to the river not being the son of God. He went down to the river already being the son of God. Baptism was an affirmation of that fact. Baptism was something that helped him remember and recognize that he was the, a son of God, the son of God, beloved of the Father. And the same for us. It doesn't matter if you're baptized as a baby or you were baptized as a youth or an adult or you're still anticipating a time when you will be baptized. The fact is there that you are beloved of the Father and you are God's child. And Luke does something that the other gospels don't do to emphasize this. Right after the baptism narrative, we see that Luke gives a genealogy. And this genealogy stretches not only back to Abraham like Matthew's gospel does, it goes all the way back to God. Showing that Jesus has linked us to God, but in reality, don't all of our genealogies go all the way back to God? If you go back generation after generation after generation, it's going to end with Adam. And it's going to say, the son of God. That means there is within each one of us this promise that we are children of God, linked together by our common humanity, recognized in our baptism. You see, this baptism is something that recognizes a truth that's already there. You're a child of God. Wow. That's pretty special, isn't it? I could stop right there and we could say amen, but let's go a little bit further, okay? Baptism meaning that we are children of God, being recognized as children of God, has a claim on our lives. It's a present reality. We don't say this about the Queen of England, that she was crowned. No, she is crowned. We don't say this about our baptism, that we were baptized. No, we are baptized. Baptism makes a difference in our lives in the present moment. It is, it is a, something that is with us throughout our lives. The truth that we're children of God stays with us. Apostle Paul uh, puts it this way. He said, I am 
crucified with Christ through my baptism and therefore I share with him his resurrection. That means a present reality gives us a future hope and it makes a difference in the way we live in the here and now. In all the gospel narratives, we see Jesus, as soon as he's baptized, he's sent out into the desert to be tested by the devil. And we've got to recognize the fact in our own lives is that we too will face testing. And he goes out into the desert and he hears the voice of the tempter telling him how to live out his calling. And Jesus, because he's been affirmed as the son of God and as beloved, he rejects the temptation to use his power to satisfy himself or to rule in a way that would lord himself over others. No, he affirms that his kingdom is brought forth in humility, shown in the lowliness of a manger and the struggle of the old rugged cross. And we got to see that in our own lives, our baptism has to make a difference. We're going to face temptations. We're going to face our struggles. And we've got to ask ourselves, what am I not going to do because I am baptized? What am I not going to say because I am a child of God? What am I going to not do because I am beloved? Or we can put it this way. We are royalty. Let's act like it. You know, as we look at the lives of, of some of the royals in, in, in Great Britain, well, you know, they may not be acting too royal. And all you have to do is look in the news lately. But we are children, not of the Queen of England. We're children of the King of Kings. And our baptism is a recognition of that fact that it makes a difference in our lives here and now. We act differently. We speak differently. We as Christians in our country, but for, in some people's minds, aren't acting too royally. But we need to act differently with humility. We need to act like Jesus. And people need to see within us that we are children of the king. Will Wilmon tells a story about a young 10-year-old boy that was inspired by a sermon. Imagine that. And he wanted to be baptized. And the preacher said, oh, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad you're wanting to do this. Now, we do a baptism in public. And the boy was hesitant about that. said, I don't want to do that in front of all those people. And... The preacher didn't want to get theological with him. He didn't want to say to him, well, you know, we get baptized as a sign and a symbol of the church that, you know, you're being claimed by the church as a part of their family. Or, or he didn't want to quote scripture that if you claim me before others, Jesus said, I'll claim you before my Father in heaven. He didn't want to say all those type things. He, he, he just decided, I'm going to bring it down to 10-year-old's level. And so he said this. He said, well, you know, Johnny, if, if you don't get baptized in the church, how are people going to know that you're baptized? This is what the little boy said. By the way I live, out of the mouth of babes, are we acting in such a way that people can tell that we're baptized and that we're royalty, that we're children of the King, children of the Father Almighty? Do we live in such a way that people can tell it? Is it making a difference in our lives?
Yes, we are baptized. Sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's interesting to note that this baptism narrative begins Jesus' ministry. It's a a way kind of setting Jesus apart, anointing him uh, for ministry. Isaiah 42.1 says this, that here is my servant who I, I, I uphold. Here is my chosen one who I uplift. My spirit is upon him. He will bring justice to the nations. Isaiah talks about how this servant is anointed and set aside to be the one who does the work of the Lord in all the world. Anointing. Setting aside, that's not something we don't talk about too much, do we? When, when we talk about anointing with oil or when we talk about oil, we think of, you know, oil of Olay or something like that, right? We, we, don't, we, we don't talk about this anointing stuff too much, do we? But it's a part of the biblical tradition. Isaiah claims that he was anointed of the Lord. Elijah anointed Elisha. And, of course, the great story out of, out of the Old Testament where Samuel's led to go to the little town of Bethlehem to, to Jesse's household and he's going to anoint the new king and, and of course all the big strapping fellows go by and God didn't appoint any of them and then finally when the run of the litter comes out, David, God said, there's the one, anoint him, Meaning being chosen. And this baptism you see of Jesus launches him into the, his ministry of proclaiming the gospel, of living out the good news, of healing the sick and and tending to the broken and to the lame and and making the blind to see, the lame to walk and ultimately to go to Jerusalem to die. So all the sins of the world are upon him so that we might have hope of eternity. Y'all, baptism is the same for each and every one of us. Our baptism marks us for ministry It's an anointing of our lives, saying that God has a purpose for each and every one of us. God has something he wants to do in our lives. It makes us a part of the priesthood of all believers, where everybody has something to do. Something to do. It's so easy for us to forget, isn't it? So easy for us to forget all this. We need reminders of it. I don't remember my baptism. I, I, I don't. My dad was in the, the service and he was between assignments and they wanted me to be baptized in my mom's home church, the Highlands Methodist Church, United Methodist Church back then, the Highlands Methodist Church in Callaway, Virginia. Laura Birch knows where that is. It's near where she grew up. And at a Christmas time, a friend of my dad's from the Virginia Conference baptized me one morning. I was an infant. I don't remember it at all. But I've been blessed throughout my life to have had chances to renew that baptism, that, those promises that were made on my behalf and accepting the, the fact that I was set aside as a child of God. I accepted Christ through profession of faith was confirmed in the Mary Esther United Methodist Church. 
I've had baptismal renewal service, most notably going down to the Jordan River and being baptized or or reaffirming my baptism there, the same place that Jesus was baptized. Hope you all get to do that one day. And then at my ordination where I was set aside for pastoral ministry. Ordination is a reminder of me being set aside. And I'll never forget that. I was in, in First United Methodist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, a big Gothic structure called Cathedral in the Pines. And it was special for me to be ordained there because I was serving as one of the associates on staff there. And it's special too because my dad was there laying hands on me. There was the district superintendent, Asa Boozer. Yes, that's his real name. Bishop Bill Morris all laid those big hands upon my head. And, they, and Bishop Morris yelled out really loud, Edward Robertson Glaze, take thou authority to proclaim the gospel, to order the church and give the sacraments. And the myth out there amongst some people is that we're the only ones ordained and set aside for ministry. You know, there's an old saying that folks come to church and all they need to do is pray, pay, and obey. Uh, Not quite true. Every person who's baptized is set aside. Every person who is anointed with water is set aside for ministry. In some ways, you proclaim the gospel by the way you live. In some ways, you live sacramentally because you see God working throughout this wonderful world. In some ways, you help order the life of the church because, you know, we preachers can't do that by ourselves. In some ways, you are the ones that go out and live out the gospel message in the world. It is our job as the ordained to help you live as royal ones out in the world, to help other people in the community and around you to know that they are nobility too. Yes, you are called and set aside. And baptism is a sign and a symbol of that great fact. You, you have a purpose. Your baptism is a sign of that. And we need each other to help live that out. Jesus he needed others. I mean, after he faced temptation in the, in, in the desert, the angels came to minister to him. He called aside a group of 12, maybe in some, some people's minds, 72 people that were his friends, his followers. They, they gathered together to support each other and, and to learn from each other. Jesus needed that just like we all do. And at hard times, he went to be alone with his father. But we need each other, you see. We need one another to live this out. That's why it's important to be a part of Sunday schools. You heard me talk about small groups. And you might have seen the email this past week that talked about the new roles that uh, the clergy are playing. And, you know, Jeff McLean is taking on this role as pastor of discipleship and spiritual formation. You're going to hear a lot more about discipleship because that's something that this church wants to emphasize. But we need one another because it's so easy for us to forget We need each other to live out our corporate calling of loving our community and helping others discover life in Christ. Because the tempter is there. As I said a moment ago, 
Jesus was led into the desert as the son of God. And here was the devil whispering in his ear, no, you are not. It happens to all of us, doesn't it? It's so easy for us to forget. The strains and stresses of life are so pressing. The fool's gold of the pleasures of, uh, the, the temporary pleasures that we can experience lure us away from our true calling. And we need reminders. That's why we come here. To remember that we're royalty, that God has a purpose for our lives and that we're children of God. Martin Luther was a reformer. You all might remember him. He was the one that got this Protestant Reformation all started. And to say he was an odd bird is an understatement. We won't get into all these things, but he oftentimes had had a hard time realizing that he was called of God and one of the beloved. So whenever he felt especially tempted or whenever he felt especially down or low or forlorn, or felt like that he was not worthwhile, he would stop and place his hands on his head and say, I am baptized. A daily reminder, almost daily, of who he was. We can do the same. Maybe not put our hands on our head, but do any of y'all take showers? Anybody around here? Anybody? Is some, you know, uh, y'all smell pretty good. I imagine you do. I, I take one once a month, whether I need it or not. But whenever you're in the shower, the same element that was used to baptize you, is the same element that you bathe off in periodically. That water can be a reminder on the tough times or when it's so easy to forget. I am baptized. And that means I am beloved. I'm a child of God. God has a purpose for my life. So we're going to take time on this baptism of the Lord Sunday to be reminded of those facts. You might recall last week that if you were here, you received a rock, just a plain old rock, something we got at the store, and you're asked to come down to lay it into the baptismal font as a sign and a symbol of some burden that you're bearing, some sin that you want to let go of, some regret of the past, some, some bitterness in your life. And I heard a couple of people say, man, I need a whole bag full of those things. And I get that. But it was something, as we said, that was death dealing and soul stealing. Well, today, you're going to be invited to come down again to the font. But you're going to receive something, a water stone. And it's a sign and symbol of something that's life giving and soul healing and it's going to be a reminder of the truths that we've been saying throughout this message that I'm beloved God has a purpose for my life I'm a child of God can you say that with me as an affirmation I'm beloved 
God has a purpose for my life. I am a child of God. It's true. It's true. So, as our wonderful praise band is playing, you're going to be invited forward to receive this small token, a sign and a symbol of these facts. And I encourage you to put it in a place that, it, that you can see it often. I have one from a, a prior service on my desk. Because sometimes I forget. But it reminds me of those truths. And it helps me remember of who I truly am and whose I truly am. So come, you're invited to remember and to receive a sign and a symbol of the true truth about your life. You are a child of God.